uh, as a guy who's cooked on you know all over the world, I've seen a lot of horrible reviews, and they've like helped me a lot when when you get called out. If if nobody calls you out on anything, then you just get away with all your bad practices. Welcome to Off Menu, the Canadian podcast about food and the people who make it. I'm your host, Phil Wilson. Chefs and restaurant reviewers naturally have an awkward relationship at best, and at worst, a combative one. Naturally, no chef likes being criticized, as nobody in any job would, even less so when the chef deems the criticism to be either uninformed or inaccurate. They've got a pretty valid point, but they're kind of in a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation when it comes to refuting a poor review. On the flip side, there's a thought that, at least here in Edmonton anyways, far too often restaurant reviews by bloggers and mainstream media alike skew heavily towards the positive. This, according to Mel Priestley, dish editor at View Weekly, whose latest article tackles that very subject. So this week we're chatting all about restaurant reviews with Mel Priestley and Chef Eric Hansen of Prairie Noodle Shop. Stay tuned, it's another five-star review, complete with exclamation marks, coming up next on Off Menu. So Mel, your article in View Weekly started with you asking a question of your social media channels. Are Edmonton restaurant reviewers too easy on restaurants? So maybe go ahead and tell us what you found. Well, I found um, conflicting opinions, as I think might be expected, because it depends on who you ask and it depends on who you are talking about. I found out that a a reviewer had decided not to post a review of a place uh, for whatever reason, and it started with that. And I was thinking, well, how many people, how many reviewers are there, are out there, are just not reviewing places for whatever reason and, and why? Uh, a lot of people tended to agree, the, the, the people I spoke with. Um, the local food bloggers tend to be quite positive, quite optimistic, uh, almost, well, arguably to a fault. And we all know we've all had bad experiences. And so those absences of, of people talking about what went wrong is, uh, I think it's a problem. And I think that restaurants will suffer for it. Right. Yeah. So as a chef, Eric, um, how do you feel about that? Because you'll be on the receiving end of that uh, criticism or praise. Yeah, it's tough. You uh, you love when you see your name at the cover, you know, the shot. You love you love seeing it, and then you hate seeing a puff piece for somebody that you know doesn't deserve it or something that's just been glazed over. But it's hard to criticize it when you know you equally love it. But reviews, in that sense, I don't know if they're really winning or losing. I think there's just we're just kind of stuck in it, going, "What do we do now?" Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the bloggers, like Mel was saying, kind of tend to lay off a little bit and, and tend to be overly positive, or do you? Do you oh, yeah, find for it... sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know how many bad reviews I've got from bloggers. I'm sure I should have a few times. So that's very interesting. I don't think a lot of people would do that. You know, yeah. they take the praise and run with it. Right. No, but when you know, when you know, you're like, why didn't you call me out on that? That dish was sketchy at best. It was just, I was just like, you know, trialing it out. You, have, of course, you show up right then, and you're like, it was okay, but it was never going to be great. And then you review it as pretty good. And we're like, we both know. <laughs> so why did why did they do that then? Why do you think they? Do? It's I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, the whole history of like for reviewers what it's like, but from a chef's end. You remember bad reviews, like, mm-hmm. way more than you remember good reviews, but you're, like, your best review, you're dancing and jumping around and super excited. It's uh, it's hard not to. Your mm-hmm. ego just gets right pumped up. Mm-hmm. 
But when you get a bad review and you like you don't feel like you've done a bad job, you just you feel a little bit crushed for sure. Yeah. So as a chef at Prairie Noodle, uh, about six months in business now and open to a whole bunch of positive reviews and blogs and, and everything else. Well, uh, did you, did you find? <laughs> and we, we opened and it, we were in the dumps. Like the food was, was rough coming out of the kitchen. We were built for 100, doing 300 a day. No direction. Everything was designed for one pop-up and now you're launching it just going. So that, we got kind reviews that I don't think we deserved. They were being really, really nice to us. I think everyone had given us more honest reviews. I think it would, probably would have hurt us. I think we would have had less people come in, but everyone gave us good reviews. And it was pretty much, I felt like, on faith that we would get better, mm. which I feel like we really have gotten a lot better. But uh, Well, one thing people were talking about, too, is that um, Edmonton is, we're food crazy now. And I mean, we've been saying this for a while, but really in the last few years, we've started to gain critical mass in the food scene, which is great. And I think that what comes along with that is because we were so maybe food starved before, or good food starved before, that when you get a few more places opening up that are good and or they're trying to be good, um, it's exciting. And everyone's just like, yay, woo, awesome. And you don't want to talk about the negative because you, you don't want to lose it. Yeah. And you also, you know, I think part of it is you don't want to get pigeonholed as that person who just hates everything right. and just goes and complains about everywhere they go. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, it still doesn't mean you should be saying something's really good if it's not. I actually remember that first time that I went to Perry Noodle. It was the first night and I'm shaking it was not good. Um, Eric had come over to the table and we were just talking and, and Arden was coming over to be on this podcast the next day too. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is going to be fun yeah. um, because I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. And no. so I flat out, like we had discussed in the restaurant, uh, Eric and I, uh, what I thought. And then I told Arden when he came over um, the next day and I told him, well, here's the things I thought, regardless of how many tweets that were amazing. Mm-hmm. And everybody saying everything was perfect. I just ate the same thing. And between you and me, I think we know that it wasn't yeah, no, what, the what first, was being said. The first many days were, were rough. But I think, is it different in your mind uh, for someone to say it was really good or if somebody just doesn't say anything about it? Um, like for you and me, I mean, I already got the feedback from you. Like I can only speak for myself, but for me, it was more like, you know, day one, I don't really like reviewing a brand new place mm-hmm. before they've kind of got their legs under them. You know, I will absolutely give some feedback yep. personally to somebody if they want it. Mm-hmm. Technically, if you open your doors to the paying public, shouldn't you be, you, you're, you're taking their money. So you yep. should be presenting something that's worth their money, right? So mm-hmm. that's the, the other argument is a lot of people say, you know, soft, soft launch, go easy on us. But really, you know, I'm paying for this. So, yeah. you, know. you know, no matter how much you practice with your friends and family and, and not under live fire. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same when you open well, the doors and there's 16 or 20 people standing there waiting and it's panic time. Terry had a good, uh, one of the owners of, of Perennial Shop, Terry Wong, he had a good analogy. His friend was opening a giant uh, casino in Vegas and he called him as he was opening the restaurant here and he's going, well, you know, is all, do all your toilets flush? Is all your shit together? And he's like, I, I think my toilet's flush. He says, <laughs> You don't know if all your shit's together until all 35,000 toilets flush at the same time. <laughs> until that moment, you have no idea whether or not you got your shit together. Mm-hmm. And Quite that literally. makes a lot of sense for the restaurant industry because you don't know which is going to be the first thing to go. So do you think that bloggers and legitimate you know, mainstream writers uh, for publications, do you, 
do you see a difference in the reviews there? Yes. Yeah. And now this is going to probably piss off a lot of people because you use the word legitimate. Um, and a lot of food bloggers have a chip on their shoulder about being legitimate. Um, bloggers can be legitimate. Absolutely. You're a blogger. Mm. Uh, I would say most people would agree you're legitimate. Uh, however, there's a lot of blogs out there mm. and not all of them are good. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to name names, but we, we know when we see them, right? And it's it comes down to rigor. For myself as like a journalist and an editor, um, you have to write well and you have to edit well and you have to be honest in what you're saying and that, that's echoed throughout all three of the interviews I did and will be kind of a focus in, in the story is that you have to be honest good and bad now constructive criticism is hard to write it's a lot easier to say nothing and just talk about the good things um, alternatively it's also really easy to bitch and complain and just not substantiate it and just you know go on on a warpath that is also easy to do, but offering someone constructive criticism is uh, its a difficult thing to do, especially in print. Every chef I've talked to is always like, tell me to my face, you know, just tell me to my face. They don't want to read an anonymous review. They want to read a blogger, but realistically, they may say, tell it to my face, but I don't actually think that it's appropriate to tell them then because they've got a job to do, so let's talk about it after. But how, again, how many of us will reach out, especially if it was particularly bad? It has say, to be really bad. Yeah. So yeah. would you agree that the bloggers tend to be a little bit weaker on the criticism than, uh, yeah. than print journalists? Yeah, it's it's shiny, sparkly words on paper. They they make you feel good, they look really good, but at the end of the day, like it's that's really all, all we get. So why do you think that is? I'm really curious from the chef point of view why, why chefs think that might be. Uh, I, yeah, I think they just want to be liked. I think they want, I don't, like, for me, that's the only thing I can think, because if you're not going to write the negative, then you're you're doing it out of fear, and what are you really afraid of, that people aren't going to like you, or maybe let you into the restaurant, or they're going to, you know, serve you negatively, which I, when I think, like, if you're blogging, you obviously like food, you're passionate about food, you want to get more into the culture and the scene, and to do that is, yeah, to be friends with everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to be friends with everyone if you tell everyone their food sucks, but you are going to impact the food scene in a, in a more you know, better way, more constructive way. If you do it constructively, I mean, why the hell not? Uh, as a guy who's cooked on, you know, all over the world, I've seen a lot of horrible reviews and they've like helped me a lot when, when you get called out. If, if nobody calls you out on anything, then you just get away with all your bad practices and, and then when, what are you doing? I have another theory too, as to why they're lighter on it. And that's uh, free food. I've, I've had that, like just recently we got offered, I'll write a you know email, open it up. I'll write a really good review on your restaurant if you give me a free dinner for me and my friends to come in and take what? pictures. What really? People actually pitch that to you? They just throw right at oh, you. Oh, that's so wow. ballsy! I didn't know yeah. they were doing it that way. Yeah, they they just <laughs> fish right at you, and you go, "Are you shitting me?" In it terms hurts. of legitimacy, I know in in print media. So for the journalists, right, like. You, you don't ask for your dinner to be calm, but you you can't just ask for free food because oh, yeah. that compromises your ethics. Oh, yeah, there's no ethics. At this That's point. it. You're, you're done. Now you don't know, for me, who's being bought off, who cares, who's good yeah. friends. Uh, it, it, all of it's just slander. So then why are there so many media nights, though? Because everyone wants to eat and drink for free. And Twyla talked about it. I didn't have room for to fit that quote in the story, but she even said, yeah, when she started blogging, uh, and we all experience this too, is you get invited to things and it's free and you get to go out and eat and drink. Often you can bring your spouse or your, or your partner with you mm -hmm. and it's great. You have a lovely evening. You don't pay a dime. You get to rub shoulders with all the chefs and, and people and you feel really, you feel cool. You feel important. You sure do. Yeah. yeah. And then people, they want that to keep coming, right? Of course. Of course. Uh, yep. But then you're not, you're, I would argue that you've compromised your journalistic integrity and yep. therefore, um, you, you know, what you're writing is not as valid. Sorry. What, what I always Absolutely. say is that sometimes that free meal, free meal, it just costs you your integrity, yep. which is yep. pretty expensive. Yes. I'd rather just buy the meal. Yeah. 
And so, I mean, if restaurants are offering free media nights and bloggers are taking them up on it and then writing it, like, I mean, I don't know, that's your prerogative. But again, um, my my only thought is that the review then is is not really an accurate picture of that. that We need like a shiny star in the corner of the review that says like, this review was given at a free meal night. So, well, you always have a disclaimer at the end that (laughs) says, uh, you know, do that, though. If they all say this was at a media night. I think I think a lot of I would hope a lot of them would say this was at media night. So but there's know, even but. not just media nights. Like there's even times when you just get invited to come down and try yeah. a new menu or something, mm-hmm. and it's it's really. I'm on the fence with with those things. Yeah. I usually go to the ones if like everyone in town is invited to this thing, mm-hmm. and it's just to go check it out. But I, I'm like you. I never write about them because. There's already 20 bloggers there writing the exact same thing, so there's no content there for me to write that's yeah. useful and interesting to read anyway. So yeah. I might use it to get my first try of a restaurant and see if that makes sense for me to come back. Mm-hmm. And I can find something else to write about it maybe down the road if it mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if it's no good, I'm just never going to go back there again anyways. Yeah. And I'm still not writing anything about it. Mm-hmm. You know, should uh, should everybody immediately write a negative review about it? Well, I, honestly, I don't think those media nights produce food very often that's very good it just you'd never get a really good meal at those Mm. things you get Mm -hmm. a weird version of what's on the menu Mm, yeah so i don't know how you write about that yeah i I I haven't gone to enough to really comment on that truthfully they're not great honestly i don't i don't go to very many of them anymore then i'm not coming to yours next week it's it's just schmoozing for for me i I do it because i'm gonna cook all these all these different dishes and then i'm gonna throw them out to who to see which ones work and then which ones don't, and then that's my new menu. Right. But more importantly, I get feedback from somebody. So then you pick people who you want to have feedback. So I, I bring media people. I bring people who aren't media people who I just trust yeah. their palate. Uh, yeah. People really, I bring so many people I don't like that are just gonna have tell it to me straight. Now mm-hmm. that dialogue doesn't really get to, you know. I think you feel bad as a chef when you get a bad review because you don't get to write back. You know, you don't. Yes. You can't like. Well, but you can increasingly turn to social media and, and I've seen a whole bunch back. do that. Yeah. Does that uh, does that really kind of feed into that chef mindset where when you get a bad review or somebody says anything bad about you that you need to immediately tell this person they have no business talking about your food? Legitimacy <laughs> is that something we talked about is what gives you the right? I mean, everyone yeah. eats, right? So you can make the argument, well, everyone can talk about food then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... It's That's a, certainly a favorite of chefs, though, is to say, how dare you? You have no yeah. right to talk yeah. about this. It's hard. It's like your first feeling is a personal attack. I don't know. I don't know. The, the one thing we didn't talk about, which did come up in the article, and I tried to minimize it because it's just so easy to hate on, is Yelp. Yelp is kind of the worst. And and that's the other thing is that I think bloggers get conflated with Yelpers a lot. And certainly there's some crossover. That was maybe yeah. what I was thinking in terms of why chefs hate on them and why they're so quick to dismiss them. I think there's a difference. But I think there's a big difference between, I think in my mind there's three kind of types of of critics. There's the ones who write for sort of the mainstream, as I'm calling it in the piece, publication. So traditional print media, I guess radio too. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, you have that layer of editorial who's, who's, for starters, editing your stuff Mm -hmm. um, and kind of filtering it through it. It does give it more sense of, uh, you know, legitimacy, right? Um, And then there's the bloggers and then there's the the Yelpers. So kind of just the average Joe on those platforms set up Mm -hmm. to, uh, to, you know, do that. And 
I mean, there is a subsection of Yelpers, uh, food Yelpers, that take themselves very seriously. And they I'm sure, sure do. Absolutely. And I'm sure that they would um, absolutely blast me for saying that, you know, your review's not very legitimate. But, oh, um, but I'll say it. I'll, I'll stand by that. So. Well, Yelp's got their own little hierarchy too, they do, right? They because do. they have what yeah, they, they call elites. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. And they've, it's mixed bag for me. I've, I've, like, yeah. I've had Yelp elite support the crap out of me, mm-hmm. uh, like come and, and vote for me and you're at Taste of Edmonton and it turns into a Yelp Elite Challenge Day mm-hmm. and you and you know, and you get voted for winning Yelp Elite thing and you're like, thanks, random people. <laughs> uh, like that for me, like I, I'm like, it could have been anyone and I would have felt the yes. same way. But you're like, that's that's one time where you're like, yes. But then you like you get a phone call from Yelp saying, okay, we've noticed our reviews have given you some blank to blank amount of money. I'm just gonna ask we've you, we've got if a great one. We'd love you. to give it to you for blank amount of money, huh. and you go. Oh, come on. Have so you that's... ever? You've never bought a Yelp review? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't look at Yelp. No, there's no, no yeah, point. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's because once you realize that it's that that's all it is, then, yeah. I mean, you get, it's based off like what, the number of reviews you do. So somebody can just make a whole bunch of reviews for whatever. They can review the 50 best park benches in their area mm-hmm. and then have the most reviews become Yelp elite and now mm-hmm. get free stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, again, and, and sure, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not a, like, that's not a bad thing, you know, if you just want to go out and have fun and get some free food. Yeah. But I'm not going to take your review seriously. Mm. I'm just not. For reviewers, I'm not going to hold your Yelp review up to like a CBC Twilight. I'm just, I'm just yeah. not. So what's the future? I mean, with print publications, there's no surprise there that they're in trouble a lot of them, the newspapers especially. Food and drink sections are often the first to get axed. Um, and there's just less and less people providing that in that sort of, you know, the traditional territory of it. So we need the online bloggers. We need those people to provide us criticism. Um, and to me, there's there's good and bad in both. Mm-hmm. Because I, we probably all know here that just because your words end up on paper somewhere right. does not thing, yeah. give it legitimacy yeah. whatsoever. No. Some, you know, some of the people that write restaurant reviews uh, in Edmonton and other cities, that's not their primary job. Yeah. They're just... They're writers, and yep. someone's told them, go write about this, yep. and how much knowledge they have about Ex- it. Exactly. Oh, Clear, man. some of them have some, and some don't have any. Yeah, and especially with the, you know, with people getting laid off more and more in, in those publications, they're just assigning whoever they have to go mm-hmm. out and review a place, because they just need to post a review of a place, and uh, and I think that's, well, that sucks, right? That, that's a hard one for chefs when you... I find it's almost like, you know, you lose the hockey game, but it was, like, due to bad refing. Mm-hmm. You're like, maybe you were, like, you weren't having a good night, and then the reviewer comes in, gives you a bad review, but then gives misinformation mm-hmm. on all of the stuff you cooked on you and everything you do. You feel like... Because they're just not doing their homework. Because they're not doing their homework. Right? And yeah. then that's where you as the chef come in and go, well, now they have no idea what they're talking about. Because, yep. like, if you didn't care to, to actually read the menu... Or find out that you know, like we have four dishes on our menu, not three. So when you get when you have the the misinformation come in, that's where we like we jump on them and we go. Mm-hmm. Same thing where like when you when they give you a good review and you're like, but that's not what I served you at all. How did? And then you're like, <laughs> but it was a good review. So, so <laughs> what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to like. That, that's where we don't have like a forum to. To, to put your hand up and go, actually, that was false. So what that, do you do? Like, what's the conversation at the back of a restaurant when you, you know, maybe it's a Yelper, fuck. maybe it's a blogger, and you read it and you go, this is this is a bad review, but all the information is bullshit. It's all wrong. Yep. So what do you, do you guys sit there? Is there always a conversation in the back yep. where you go, do we call this person out and it make never, this big It doesn't happen. You just what? pretty much write them off. Uh, yeah. So are you more concerned than both of you with the, the review being not so much whether it's good or bad review, but... 
whether it's accurate and yeah. whether somebody's oh, yeah. well thought out what they're saying. Honesty, yeah. Okay. Because if it's an honest, truthful review, it will have constructive criticism. Uh, yeah. It won't just have meaningless praise or meaningless you know, vitriol. It will yeah. have mm -hmm. something of substance there that's uh, useful. Whatever the content is, what you're writing, as long as you feel like somebody's put the time in and researched it and it's being accurate, Chips and everybody's really like. okay with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the problem, I would say, then, is that um, the average person off the street may not know, right? They just may not know how to how to filter that because they don't know enough about the restaurant. They don't know enough about the people. You know, mm -hmm. they just, um, they're like, oh, okay, they just take it at face value and walk and away. And we're in a 140-character kind of world these days, mm -hmm. and nobody reads much more than, oh, it sounded like I skimmed it, and it sounded like it was awesome. Yeah. Because so everybody exclamation is... mark, so it must be good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as a writer and a chef... What, qual what qualities do you actually think make for a good reviewer? Uh, well, honesty, of course. And you have, yeah. to, you have to be doing it for the right reasons. Not because you want free food. Sorry, but no. You just you but, have to be doing it because you legitimately care about food and because you want to advance the scene of food that you are in um, because you're fulfilling a role that is useful. A critic is useful if it's a good critic, I would say. Uh, the other thing, too, for food in particular, I think you have to know food. I think you have to read a ton about food. Um, and I think you need to um, cook. I think just flavor profiles, the basics, right? Yeah. Like, I can never rip off an awesome bowl of ramen, but I could, you know, I can. I make really good soup, I think. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> like other soups. So, yeah. So how much weight does that carry with chefs and restaurateurs? If you know the person doing the critiquing can actually handle themselves in the kitchen and, and are not completely useless. Huge difference. Does that make any difference? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, there's some validity when you know. All right. Let's move on to the popcorn round here. Some Thanks. rapid fire questions. Okay. These are, these are going to be really easy. All right. Or they're going to be really hard. If you could add one talent to your repertoire, what would it be? Winemaking. Winemaking? Yes. Wow, I hope you get really good at that and bring some over here. <laughs> I've been making a lot of wine, but more bitters. I've been making bitters, cool. and uh, I'd like to get into more bitters. Yeah, more t tinctures and bitters. All right, I want to get in on both of those. <laughs> Tater tots or french fries? French fries. We'll go french fries. Yeah, agreed. Okay. What's the most amount of money you've ever spent on a meal? $1,300 for lunch. What? <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. What did you have for lunch? Cocaine? Per se. <laughs> Worth every penny. I mean, a couple hundred bucks, maybe two, three hundred at the yeah. most, yeah. yeah. Favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> it That's works. Hard. Isn't it everyone's? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to say fuck. I use that one more than I should for an open kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your kitchen kryptonite? Uh, canned tuna. The smell of canned tuna, just like... I hate it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were thinking something along the lines of like what, like we suck at, or yeah, like we sure. Oh. oh, okay. However um, you want to interpret it, it works for me. <laughs> Hard to say. Probably desserts. I I hate baking. I don't like desserts. What would your last meal be? A big old pot of soup that I made myself. Oh, it's, it's all good. Um, I'd probably go to back to Orana Jackson Frio in uh, Australia. He does an amazing uh, meal. Just incredible experience. Do you have a phobia? For me, spiders. was bit by a black widow spider in Mexico City that just about killed me Ouch. and had a rare form of uh, yellow fever. Oh, that'll so, do uh, it. So yeah. I'm now specious against spiders. I recognize this and I will kill them. Yeah. I wouldn't say a phobia, no. No, there's things I don't like. Nothing? You're not oh. scared of anything. Oh, no, of course I'm scared of things, but I, I know <laughs> phobia is such a strong word. I don't like spiders, but I, I can respect them, but just don't touch me. Food trend you'd like to see next? 
Okay, I'm soup. I'm on the soup train, but you're no. all about soup. Soup. You guys are kind of in there, but like just soup. Like soup is so overlooked. Also, be- better wine lists, please. Uh, <laughs> I do Mexican Thai at home a lot. Just, Ooh. just kind of random, but Mexican Thai fusion. Uh, food trend. You hope us out its day. Please say kale. <laughs> I've heard a lot of kale knocking lately. Actually, a lot of a lot of people being like, oh. "Well, you know when McDonald's puts it on their menu?" Oh, it's on McDonald's. It's done. Yep. Yeah, kale sriracha is sriracha soup. That was like the new Chipotle. Yeah. 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 There's I'm better hot sauces those. out there to me. All right, last one. Uh, sum up the Edmonton food scene in one sentence. Aren't we trying our hardest? I think Eric suffering from uh, it's just Edmonton syndrome. Like chefs everywhere, where you'll be putting out your dish, and you can relate it back to like something you've seen or an inspiration you've drawn from something amazing that you know would that you really just can't pull off here because you don't have the right produce. It, then the chef will say, "Well, it's just Edmonton, so you can just send that out." <gasps> Thanks again to Mel and Eric. Check the show notes at baconhound.com for all the links. Music for off menu provided by Mrs. Glass. Until next time, remember, life's too short to eat shitty food.